50% of adult Americans are going to have a mental illness some point in their life. 50%. Not 50% are going to be associated with it, 50%. So that means if it's not you, it's me. And if it's not me, it's you. And that doesn't mean that you are uh, sick and crazy. It means you have a mental illness and you need some courage, some support, and some love. And so with that in mind this week, and with all of the craziness going on in this world, I wrote this. And I, I hope this speaks to your heart. It says, We all lose our way at one time or another. We want to give up. Think our struggles are worse than anyone's ever experienced and we feel so utterly alone and misunderstood. We feel like outcasts in our own home. We feel like the unloved, the unwanted, the unneeded, the expendable, and the unnecessary. We feel discarded, neglected, abandoned, and hopeless. We think our situation will never improve. We feel unworthy, unworthy of being helped, unworthy of being noticed, unworthy of being loved, and unworthy of thinking things could possibly change. We are on the edges of society, the ones crying silent tears, the ones trying to fade into the background, and inwardly praying someone will notice us and our pain. We are the ones fighting in the streets, shooting others and stealing to find something to do. We search to belong to something, to feel like we matter and to experience life as something real and tangible. We are the ones suffering in silence. We are the ones abused, molested, and beaten. We are the homeless. We are the wealthy. We are leaders. We are followers. We are you, and we are me. Who are we? We are the people around you every day who live secret lives for fear of being exposed and unloved. We are the mentally ill. We are the healthy. We are each one of us, or we are none of us. We all struggle with something. We all have times when life hurts, when depression comes, anxiety, frustration, fear, turmoil. All these things they would classify as a mental illness and a struggle, but I promise you, it is not uncommon. And our scripture today speaks directly to what this is talking about. And I invite you to stand as we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. And I invite you to understand that all your preconceived notions and what you've heard about this verse may suddenly change in the next 20 minutes or so. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation also will make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Pray with me. God, this morning, 
The message that you have for us tried to be pulled out of my hands. And by your grace, you reminded me of a part of it. And then you showed me the rest of it. And I'm thankful because this is one of those things that's difficult for us to hear, but also we need it desperately. So I'm asking that whoever might hear these words and whosever heart they land on, that they would understand it. It's from a heart that understands what that's like. Who's been there, who's lived through it and lives through it. Heavenly Father, we are not alone in our struggles. The enemy would think that we would be if we told others about them. But we will not be because You love us and You brought us to a place where Your Holy Spirit, Your people, and the compassion of Jesus Christ have been known, found, and made sure. Thank You, Lord, for this time and place. Bring healing as needed. Bring joy where needed. Restoration where needed. But by all means, You come. And that's enough. Amen. You may be seated. I mentioned that I had uh, lunch with Sky McCracken. I didn't tell you the rest of the story, but I thought I would. Because um, he told me more of the church history and more about some of the things that happened before I came. And one of those was how much you loved Ryan and how much he loved you all. He had great words for you. And Sky, when he was here for a month, understood the love and compassion. And here's one thing he said. He said that both of us sensed at that time that it was a hurting congregation. That there was a lot of pain and a lot of uh, healing needed. And Ryan wanted to be a part of that and, and would be overjoyed to know that that healing has been taking place and begun. One of the things that was shared with me a couple of weeks ago was that they've noticed a change in our congregation. And another person who heard that said, yes, it began October 4th. <laughs> when our lives began to have a 180. And I think that that transformation is not done. As a matter of fact, I know it's not. And I want to talk to you this morning about something that it's not easy to talk about, probably because for me it's very personal, but I think it's also very personal for all of us. It's something that we, we want to talk about, we want to know that other people understand, but I'm not sure if we're unique or if others would really understand how we feel if we really told them what we think or how our hearts are. And I want to share with you that sometimes it feels like we're walking in the shadows. Do you know what I mean by that? Walking in the shadows for me is like this. That you're kind of trying to stay out of the exposure. Because someone might see something or think something or believe something that isn't true, but that could be true if they really knew it. Or there might be something where we have a hurt or a pain or a habit that if we shared it and brought it to the light, we feel like we'd be thrust back into the darkness again because no one would want to be around us. And we walk around in the shadows just praying that maybe some light will come on us in a glimpse and it'll be safe. And we walk our lives out wondering if we'll ever be understood, if we'll ever be known, 
if God really cares, if I can make a difference in this world, if I'm loved, if I matter. And more than that, we also sometimes get into that place where we think, well, because of everything in my life that's gone on before, I'm not usable. God can't use me. God can't bless others through me. And if they did know who I was or my secrets, well, that's the end of that. They wouldn't trust me anymore. And what's interesting is we have a whole room full of people who feel the same way right now. We almost all to a person say, wait a minute, you feel that way too? Yes, we all have that. It's not uncommon. But the walking in the shadows, here's what happens, is the light shines and we duck under it because we want to be exposed. But there's another shadow that we can walk in. And we forget about it. It's called the shadow of the cross. The shadow of the cross is where God's light shines and the cross covers us in its shadow of healing and restoration that we may find blessing and peace in a place to grow and feel safe again. The cross is our safe place. It's the one place for certain in all of eternity where we know God knew what we needed and He met it. That a broken world needed grace. And don't we all need grace? We don't need judgment. We don't need criticism. We don't need ridicule. We don't need mocking. We just need someone to just be there sometimes. When that doesn't happen, it can hurt. Far too well we know what that feels like. I don't know about you, but I have a question this morning. It's been on my mind. Have you got the faith all figured out? I'm looking for someone who does because I want to talk to you for about 24 hours a week (laughs) so I can get it figured out too. Because I think it's going to take several months of working together. Okay, so nobody's stepping up and saying I got it figured out. So we're again all in the same boat. We don't have it figured out. Well, isn't that something where we don't want to admit? (laughs) Eh, I might have got it yet. I still make mistakes. I still sin. I'm human. I'm vulnerable. I break. This is what we all have. But have you gotten to the place in your life? I already know the answer, but I'll ask it anyway. Where you no longer struggle with anything. I believe that happens at death. Until then, life is one struggle to one victory, to one struggle, to the next victory. I, I have, I still get struggles. This week has been absolutely, um, I can't even imagine how anybody would have wanted to do this week. And, and the struggles in it were, were compounded by other struggles. And then other people have struggles and they bring them. And it's just crazy how, for some reason, I'm able to stand up here and have hair, let alone a sermon. I get bogged down sometimes and overwhelmed and I wonder why things happen and why change is often hard to see. You know, I'm a person and I think you've ever seen sat in a room with other people and everybody can see the person's fault next to them and everybody else in the room can see it too except for that person. You ever seen that? Well, if they'd just do this, it'd be fine. Well, of course, everybody else in the room is saying the same thing about us. 
They just see this, they'd be fine. Well, isn't it funny that when it comes time for someone to point it out to us, we go, hey, no, you guys got it wrong. But everybody's accurate on everybody else, except for me. That's what we say, isn't it? But I, I share that with you because this is what happens and we don't see change. And, and as a pastor, I'm thinking, big changes coming and there's the little bitty ones. So I can't even see them, but I know change happens. And God ministers. And the face of our congregation changes over time. And, and the nature and the mood and the desire and the ministry changes over time. And as we begin to grow into that, we begin to see that it's in the struggle that we come together. The victories are great to share, but it's a heart that's understood in pain that develops the relationships. We don't often like to think of it like that, but when someone hurts and you share that with them, or you're hurting and someone shares that with you, is it not true that you feel better with that person? They say misery loves company, but I don't think it means miserable people like miserable people. I don't think that's what that means. I think misery needs someone to come alongside and say, this will end one day. Last Sunday we talked about the hope factor. The hope factor is where we realize one day what we're going through will end, and therefore there's hope. Talked about a fellow last week who had to work a shift he didn't want to work. And I said, how can you do that? And he said, because next weekend is coming and I'll be off. And I won't have to see that place for two whole days. I got hope. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell who it was. <laughs> it was him. <laughs> and my friend Sid. Um, and um, he's glad to be here this weekend. He's glad not to be there. He had hope. And believe it or not, his hope was to be here with you in worship. Now I want to share something with you as we begin to look at the struggles of life and the hurts. Proverbs tells us something about this. It says, there's a way that seems right, but its end is destruction. It looks right, sounds right, makes sense, sort of. And it goes along with our verse 12 today that says, Therefore let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We get this idea that we, we kind of got a, an idea of how to live after a while, since we're no longer under the roof of our parents, or we're trying to be autonomous in this world. Therefore, we got the answers and we know the right way. But there comes a time when we don't, but we still think we do. And I, <laughs> I got to tell you something, this is one of the classic lines. If you ever, ever wanted a good question to ask somebody, here it is. Are you surprised at the outcome? If you are, raise your hand. Now you say, what do I mean? Suppose, suppose you say, I would like to get out of debt. So I'm going to take all my debts into one big ball, go to the bank and show them I need a signature loan to take out on that debt and start paying that debt off 
without cutting up the credit cards that you accumulated the debt with, which you couldn't control your spending with. So now all of a sudden, do you not have just the one big debt, you now have new debt on those credit cards again. This is how bankruptcies begin, and the mindset that says, well, I've only got one little payment now, well, I can afford to do this. But we don't understand that debt will kill us. And so they, whenever it happens and those credit cards are maxed out and that other debt's there, now they can't pay anything. Is anybody surprised by this outcome? Raise your hand. There's a context for that. Here's a second context. At the end of life, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every person who's ever been in church has heard the message of the Gospel has heard that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, that He's Lord of all, that He's Judge and, and, and Savior, and He will redeem His own, and those who do not belong to Him will not be redeemed. And yet when they come before the judgment throne, it seems like they're going to be surprised. Oh wow, it really was true. Why do we think for some reason that that's not true? Why do we choose to walk in the shadows of doubt than in the shadow of the cross and believe? Why do we choose to look at the struggle rather than the victory that's coming? Why do we do that? It's because God's ways are not our ways. And His thoughts are not ours. In verse 13, it's been said that we get no more than we can bear. You ever heard someone say that? God will never put on you more than you can bear. It's not what that verse says. Some people have said, well that verse says He'll never put on you more than He can bear. It's not what that verse says. That verse says something entirely different and I want to break it down for you. It says, with the temptation, there's a way of escape. Some people do not want out. Some people believe they're not allowed out. That they're not worthy of it. Or that it's too hard. Or it's impossible. So they stay in the shadow rather than coming to the light of Jesus Christ at the cross and realizing there is a way. Walking in the shadow means we've lost our way. But it says God will make a way of escape. And this word, make a way and escape, it means that God is fashioning it. But what it also says in there is the temptation is the word experience. The struggle. It says with every experience that you have, with every struggle that you have, God will help you endure. And the word there, suffer, in the King James, talks about He will not leave you alone. Hear me. God will not leave you alone. That passage there says, He will not leave you alone. He has promised through Jesus Christ, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But here's where He says it. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able And when he says that, he's saying this word able, the word is power, dunamis. What he's saying is, in your power, you will be able to handle it 
if, if, if you know God is with you. But if you feel alone and think that this is all by yourself, you have to do this, there's a problem. Because now you're relying on yourself for the answer. And you don't have all the answers. And you haven't got this faith thing figured out and we all struggle. And there comes some stuff that's going to overwhelm us and we don't know how to handle it. And alone, there is no way of escape. We've lost our way if we believe we walk alone in this life. And how many of us feel like we have somewhere to share our struggles, our thoughts, and our feelings where we know we won't be rejected when we do? And we say, well, I don't know if I can handle the rejection. But here's the truth. I don't think we're used to the acceptance of grace. Grace challenges us. We sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But we forget that next I once was blind, but now I see. It's not talking about the faith walk. It's talking about I was blind to God in my life. Grace shows me God never leaves me in every struggle and every trial. I'm not alone. But if I feel like I'm alone, I've lost my way. And let me put it to you the way the Scripture says it. That the way of escape is God's way. (laughs) It says God will make a way of escape. That He will make that way. But if you don't see God in your struggle, how are you going to see His way? His way is bring it to the light. Share it. Let it be known. Expose it to the light that the light of God will heal and restore it. Oh, but that's scary. I did not say it was easy. It just works. I work with people who are mentally ill. I have not looked at their illness, though, for a long time, but rather them as a person. Why? Well, two reasons. First, because a person is not their illness and they're not their symptoms. They're a person. But there's a second reason not so healthy. It's because I wanted to ignore it. Makes me uncomfortable. Makes me think that um, I don't know how to handle it. But something happened recently that changed that for me. And I, I no longer want to ignore it. I want to go there. Mm-hmm. Hear me now. I want to go there with them to understand what they're dealing with and how it affects their life. Because I'm trying to help them find work that will last. But I want to also share with you that when we as believers share with other people, we want to go there with them too. Because we have something that we want that will last for them. The peace and hope of Christ. And so what happened was I had a client who had this disorder diagnosed and I thought it was wrong. Didn't act like it. So I began reading through the symptoms and I'm thinking he's going to stop me and go, oh, that's not me. No, that, man, we got to get me back into that doctor, get it figured out, change my medication. It's all wrong. And when I got to the list, I go, wow, that's a lot. And he goes, it's me exactly. I said, what? He said, oh, yeah. 
That's me. That's me to a T. And, and I said, but you don't act like that. He said, I, I can't act like that around you or anybody else because I know people think I'm crazy. They will think I'm crazy. And they won't be the first. And it, it broke my heart. And I said, listen, it doesn't matter if people will think you're crazy. I do not. You're suffering in silence and that's hindering you from anybody helping you. I can't help you if I don't know what you struggle with. Just like me, just like us, he didn't believe he could be who he was and still be accepted. He's walking in those shafts. He says there's no condemnation for those in Christ, that we belong to him forever. But walking in the shadows, we don't even know if we belong to ourselves, let alone anybody else who loves us like us. It's no wonder we struggle. It's no wonder people fight and kill because they don't have any peace inside. They don't have a joy. But God has come that we might have life and have it to the fullness. And we just don't know what that looks like. Because we're still looking for struggle rather than the shadow of the cross. And this morning, when we think about these things, I promise you, there's a better day coming. It's the better day that we long for. And I promise you that God is with you through it. And Isaiah tells us that God will make a way through the wilderness, streams in the desert, a highway through the wilderness, if you will. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. It's the same reference in verse 13. God will make the escape. But I want you to hear that that word is not escape. The word is end. Hear that. If you hear nothing else, I say, one day the hurt will end. One day the aching in our hearts will stop. Because God has made a way for that to happen. And it may not be today, but God has promised that He'll be with us until that day. That until our hearts can smile again and feel joy and feel loved and accepted, God's going to be there saying, you matter, you belong that I have made an end to the pain, to the struggle, that you do not have this for eternity. One day every tear will be wiped away. Every sorrow, every hurt. Thank God that I won't have this crazy body in heaven. I don't want it anymore. It doesn't work right. It's frustrating to be in this flesh and blood. And it's not even something I can say, hey, let's switch up. It doesn't work that way. I don't care what some folks might say. It just doesn't work. You're still stuck in the body you were given. God will make an end of it. He will make the end so that in your power you understand that it will one day end and that gives you hope. That's what that verse says. That God has given you hope that in your power with God with you, you will endure with Him. But there's another reason why he says this. Not only for an end, but it also means there's a purpose. You say, oh, you don't understand. I, I, this makes no sense to me. I don't understand why I'm afflicted with this. It's never going to go away. It will end. 
But God has allowed you to go through that for a purpose. There's a reason. And it's His reason, not yours. God doesn't waste hurts. God doesn't waste your pain. God's in the business of restoring it. Let me ask you this. Suppose you're struggling, and I'm going to pull out one that I struggle with, uh, anxiety. Maybe you all don't know what that feels like, but it feels like when something needs done, it's a panic moment. And, and there's no level of it. It's either panic or nothing. Anxiety doesn't go, well, I'm a little nervous. There isn't there. But let me ask you, say suppose that's yours. Maybe it's depression or, or anger. Whatever you're dealing with, a, a history, I don't know. But suppose tomorrow, maybe later today, you come across somebody who's done, done the similar thing or been in the same shoes as you. And they say, look at me. I'm so depressed or I'm so anxious or my past just keeps coming back to me. Uh, I, 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 I got no hope. And you can look and say, that's not true, I know how you feel. And they're going to say, oh, how could you possibly know the pain, the suffering? How could you possibly know how it feels? And you can say, because I've been there. And I'm there. And we can talk about it together. And in that moment, that person feels accepted. Loved. Understood. And all of a sudden you understand why God lets you go through that for the next person. It's not for you. Why in the world would God give you pain for you? He wouldn't. The cross's pain wasn't for Jesus' sake. It was for ours. It was for yours. Our pain is for somebody else. It doesn't really benefit me to hurt. <laughs> I can't think of a good thing coming from the you know pain unless it helps you. <clears throat> or the next person in the same situation. God is making a way to come out of the shadows by people who walk in the shadows of similar footsteps. And this is what God's trying to do with us. He's trying to tell us that the only way to peace, to truly living and significance is God's way. Nothing else works. But we sure try, don't we? Why is it so hard for you to choose God's way? We got reasons. I know you got yours, I got mine. Well, God, you know, I don't I don't know if you're gonna do it right. <laughs> I don't know if you understand the situation enough, God. Well, why'd you let it happen in the first place? You let it happen in the first place, God, therefore you really don't care. Or God, you were so big and powerful, why did you allow this to be a part of my life? Again, God isn't afflicting you for you. God, show me the purpose behind this. Show me the reason. Show me the end. The reason is the end. Oswald Chambers, if you read his stuff this week, gave a real good insight into this. He said one day this week, obedience is the, is the end. And I said, but God, and this is what Oswald was writing about. I keep saying, but God, if I'm obedient, what are you going to do? He said, you're going to be obedient, that's enough. But what are you going to do with my obedience, God? What are you going to change? How are you going to help the world? You know, he's going, that's my business, you be obedient. But God, I want to know what the reward is for obedience. He said, I'm going to be pleased with you. But God, I want to know bigger. <laughs> because I'm your father. 
and you delight in me, and you want to please me as your heavenly Father, and be one with me. Yes, God, I get all that. But tell me the big things that are going to come out of my obedience. And God says, the obedience is enough. And if that's not enough, then the big things will never satisfy. And so we walk in the shadows trying to figure out how God can make a way for us. But we're afraid to trust Him. Worse than that, we're afraid to trust others until we realize, until we realize they've been in our shoes. We are afraid to trust others until we realize they've been in our shoes. Now let me say this the other way. If you don't share your shoes with somebody else, they will never know and you will never know. You have to talk about it. To share. To bring it to the light. And when you do, healing for both happens. That is the way, the end, the escape that God has put in place. I don't know about you, but I'd rather this thing be about sin, you know. Oh, I'm tempted to do something wrong, God. Give me, a, give me an alternate door. <laughs> be nice to put that verse like that, isn't it? But He wants a little more from His people. And He wants a little bit more for us than that. He wants us to live abundant lives. We are, each of us, at one time or another, the hurting and the broken. And if we don't know that we can be loved in that, when can we? One of my favorite illustrations, and before I bring this last thought to you, is if you saw someone walking along and they slipped and broke their leg, would you say, you're such an idiot. You know, you know, if you wouldn't have fallen and broke your leg, then you wouldn't have a broken leg. You know, I mean, it's your problem. It's your fault. You know, you did it. You, you were clumsy. You're the one who broke your leg. You know, I, I, you know, or would you go, you know, man, I saw that. That looked painful. Let me help you out. If someone is sick, are you going to go, you know, man, your fault. You got sick. You know, that's your trouble. It's not my problem. You know, just are you going to go? Can I help? What can I do to help you feel better? So it is when we say, you know, I'm struggling with loneliness. I'm struggling with brokenness. I'm struggling with my faith. I'm not sure if I trust God or not. I'm not sure if I understand who loves me and who doesn't. I don't know for sure this depression will ever go away. I don't know how my life can make sense or be significant for God. I don't know how to do that. And someone's going to look at you and say, hey, me too. Let me come with you. Let me stand with you and be part of your healing. Just like the person with a broken leg, the stuff that we go through is the same kind of problem. Same kind of situation. We're not going to go, oh, look, they're depressed. Let's get away from them. They're sick. Depression is not contagious. Broken legs are not contagious. Anxiety, thank goodness, is not contagious. It just makes you feel nervous around us. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? That we all need compassion. And our sharing our need for compassion lets others share theirs. And it might be the same need.
And in that moment, you can begin to talk about it, find healing from it, and mercy. So how do we do that? That's the question. The simplest answer I've ever come up with. I thought this would be hard. It is the simplest thing. It's a four-word statement. You might even want to write it down if you don't remember it, but I think you'll remember it once you hear it. Thy will be done. You say, wait a minute. Uh, you know, where'd you get that? Well, in AA, they have a third step prayer and it says, you know, God, let me be after your pattern of life and your will be done, not mine. And so, maybe I got it from there. Maybe if you memorize that prayer, you could do that, right? Or, or maybe you could just say, God, that will be done. Or maybe you've prayed it more times than you know. And maybe you prayed it like this. Our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed, holy, be your name. Thy will be done. That's enough of a prayer to say, God, you're with me. Here on earth as it is in heaven, you're with me. Thy will be done. Whatever I'm going through, God, go through it with me. Get me to a place where I can minister to somebody else. Get me to somebody so that my healing can have help with their healing. That my hurt has a purpose. If we do not go to God and acknowledge His presence and His purpose in our life, we are truly losing our way. There is no other way but God's. Nothing else works. You can try it off. It doesn't work. I am thoroughly convinced my way does not work. Sometimes I even try God's ways and some other people's advice, but God's always has worked. I can't explain why, but I can tell you it does. But I can also tell you, even as a pastor, that there are times when I lose my way and try to do it my own, in my own time. And guess what happens? With the experience, with the struggle, I find no way out. But as soon as I say, God, your will be done, not mine, there's an income and a purpose behind it. So I share with you, if you do not use God's way in your life, primarily and first and foremost, and follow His way, do you expect a different outcome? Will you be surprised by the results? Will you expect an outcome that isn't God's? Yes. You can. No matter what you're going through, there is a reason for it and an end to it. This is what that Scripture says. I want to tell you something. And uh, this is important. Our daughter is struggling dead with depression. Real bad. You understand? She doesn't understand the purpose yet. Because she feels misunderstood. Walking alone. Hurting. And we're beginning to understand that. And that's not her. It's her depression speaking. 
She's not the sickest, but she still needs someone to come along and say, I love you. Let me be with you for a while. Let me be the presence of God in your life and the compassion thereof. Let me stand with you. Kim's father passed away. She needs someone to stand with her. Someone to love with her. Axel's grandfather, Kevin's father-in-law. We all are going through something. But wouldn't it be a whole lot better if we knew we could stand together in that? Wouldn't it be a whole lot more healing for us if we knew others were there for us when we just didn't know how to get there by ourselves? I'm going to tell you something. We don't have answers for coffee. We don't. We'd like to think, oh, this next doctor's appointment will do it. Maybe the medication needs increased. But do you understand that's a process? And God has an end in sight. And one day she's going to talk to a friend. And she's going to say, I know how you feel. And she's going to say, thank God, someone knows how I feel too. We need that. We've got to have that. That's why it says, and why this verse is so wonderful, that with the experience, God will provide an end one day, but He will not put you through it alone. And sometimes, you and I are the ones who God uses to make sure they don't go through it alone. Please don't walk in the shadows. Please don't do that when you're hurting or someone else is. Please don't lose your way or let them stay lost in theirs. This morning, I'm going to ask this as we sing Have Thy Own Way as we're closing Him. That if you need to say, God, have your way and your will be done and you need prayer, I need you to come and just say it. God, I need prayer. I need someone to understand. I need you to know. And let me know that you haven't forgotten me. But there is an end and a purpose for this thing. I'm going to be praying over my daughter. I'm going to be praying over Kim and their family. I don't know who else you're going to be praying over. But I promise you, if you're willing, there will be people in this room who will share that with you. And love you through it. Is that fair? Heavenly Father, I come this morning knowing that we all lose our way at one time or another. But thank God, thank You, God, You've never lost Your way to us. And You brought us into the shadow of the cross that we might find His stretched arms over us, healing and restoring us in the shadows of Your grace and Your mercy Your forgiveness and your loving acceptance saying, this too will pass. Thank you for that. Thank you for being a redeemer who lives. Amen. I invite all who would come and pray. I'm going to ask those